Hello and you're welcome to the RF podcast. It's episode number two of the All Ireland uh, All Ireland Preview Show. Um, we're doing a couple of bonus episodes. We've already had, had one this week already with uh, Mayo Piro, Aidan McLaughlin. This guest now is from outside the county and something a bit different. It's uh, Robbie Cannon. He's the three-time Irish amateur golf champion. He's the current strength and conditioning coach with uh, Tipperary Football. He previously done a, st- a two st- a stint with uh, John Sugru and Leash with, for, uh, with gaining double promotions. Uh, and also is a strength and conditioning coach for, Sh- for Shane Lowry. Robbie, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we're very appreciative. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Just about getting over last week's results, but um, yeah, we'll we'll um, big learning experience for the guys, and um, let's hopefully they can they can learn from that and and drive it on next year. Yeah, what was it like um, going going back with the GA back with a, a Division Three team? You were, you were with Leash. What's your experiences of of inter county football been in the last three or four years? I I, I read a bit of reading on you this morning. You started off with the Fingal hurlers. When when was that? Well, that's a long time ago. Actually, that popped into my head the other day. Um, yeah, that was that was about five or six years ago. I just done a few months with them. Um, yeah. They were looking to get a, a bit of condition done before this before they started. Um, and yeah, they they obviously. They're not. They're not still going now. Obviously, yeah. Um, but it was good. As I said, I wouldn't say it was um, that intense compared to the setup we have with Leash and, and Tipperary. It was very, very basic stuff. Just doing a couple of sessions with them a week, and and obviously their warmth and stuff. But I enjoyed it. I guess it gave me a little bit of a, a flavour into um, the intercounty. Yeah. Um, John Sugru, how did this? Uh, how did you team up with him, or where did this come about? Um, I, to be honest, like since after the Fingal job, like I did have a couple of inter-county managers um, get on to me and offer me uh, positions with, with, with counties and stuff. But uh, I just felt when I when I had a conversation with the, the said managers that probably just didn't um, gel or didn't see that it was going to work well. So um, I just kind of passed on it. But I had a, had a phone call with Johnny. Just, he rang me and uh, had a phone call and liked... Um, like to chat and then we just sat down and, and had a had a coffee and liked his ideas. Uh, great man, uh, great two years with Leash. And um yeah and and, and same with, with, with Dave then the same kind of situation sat down with, with Dave had a coffee and liked his ideas and his and his vision. Um and that's that's who you want to be working with. You want to be working with people who are ambitious and and have a, a clear vision in their head and what what they want to do with the with the group um, and yeah, it's been in, really enjoyed the last three years. Yeah. And you went from, I mentioned earlier there, you got double promotion, which was very impressive. You went then up to division two and of course John left and, and, and you parted ways and you went to tip. You, so you have a good experience of probably the lower levels of inter-county football. And I know you have, you know, a couple of the Dublin players and the sort of work that they would put in and the mentality. Do you think there is much of a gap between we'll even say now Tipperary or Leash, that them sort of level tables, the the three division three, division two teams, compared to the very elite, like you've seen it firsthand yourself yourself the weekend with the likes of Mayo, the likes of Mayo, the Kerrys, the Chirones, the Dublins. Um what are they doing differently? Uh, to be honest, I, I think I think Tipperary team is I, I highly rate them. Um I don't think 
Sunday's result was a fair reflection of of how good they are. Um, just speaking from being with them this year, obviously it's kind of the first year of the project. They wouldn't have done a whole lot of strength and conditioning over the last couple of years. Certainly, certainly no kind of periodization, proper periodization. They might have dipped their toes in here and there. Um, so it's kind of the first year of putting a bit of structure in place for that. Um, but I, I'll, I, I actually, I've talked about this a few times, like the, the first night's training that we had, I just, I just looked at these guys and Connor Sweeney was just pinging over points from, from, from everywhere. And I just thought to myself, this, these guys are, they have something about them. And, yeah. and, and I think they showed it in certain periods this season in the championship. I think for like probably 10, 15 minute spells, we really showed the potential that they have. Um, I think the game against Clare, first half especially, uh, completely dominated that game. I think the, the last few minutes kind of flattered the, the results to a certain degree. Like I'd highly rate Clare. They're a really good, strong team and uh, we made them look very ordinary that day. Um, and then there was spells against Cork that, again, we were we were pretty impressive. And, and, and again, I think in spells against Mayo as well, we, we, we showed what, we were, what the potential is. But obviously, the, the result doesn't lie. Um, I think... I'm, I, review the game we just weren't clinical enough yeah um if we if we put away them goals at the start what happens then um even in the second half we, we i think we missed 10 goal chances overall which is uh which is it's it's unbelievable statistic but yeah there there's a there's a goal from class like obviously mayo have um they've been on the road for a long time they've just got so many good players um and they've had obviously a proper strength and conditioning program for the last uh, five, six, seven years, obviously with uh, Barry Solon and now Connor Finn and the two guys have done a, a great job and um, they're a very strong athletic team and, and that's fairly that's fairly evident. You, you mentioned a word there that that raised raised my eyebrow. Period periodization is is that what you mean from maybe a development perspective in terms of hitting the road hitting the road running when they're 17, 18, 19 by the time they get up to inter county level that they're ready because we had a podcast a couple of weeks ago when we were praising Connor Finn and the strength and conditioning because Mayo have three or four new debutants in the team and normally you'd associate debutants maybe with young lads especially that they mightn't be up to the physicality or they mightn't have the strength and the speed or the, the conditioning but we what we notice is that these young lads that are coming in they're hitting the road at 100 miles an hour already and they're not worrying about shipping big hits or, 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 or playing the 70 minutes to seem to be able to do it. Is that what you mean by periodization? That, that if you say now this tip team, I do think myself they have the raw talent, but is it, is it a, a longer project that these guys have to do it for three or four years? Yeah, so basically you're right what you're saying. So like I see my role uh, ultimately as, as basically preparing these guys, as you said, from kind of 18, 19, 20, even a bit younger for, for the hustle and bustle of senior football. Um, and there's actually been some guys that are actually on our panel now this, this year. They, they might have played a few minutes here and there. They wouldn't have been starting to a certain degree, but um, you could see a huge difference in them in, in a year's gym work, uh, a year's yeah. commission on the pitch. Um, and I think next year they'll, they'll even be better for it. Um, but yeah, like the, obviously Mayo had a lot of success um, with the under under twenty team. Obviously, so when a team is doing well, there's more buy-in with the with the players at that age, and yeah. like 
it was the same same this year and we were, we were going well and guys want they're going to train a bit harder they're going to do a little bit more in the gym and um, success breeds success but you have to have a proper structure in place with with it with a, a proper plan strength condition plan where guys if they go in one month and they're lifting a certain amount obviously you want to have a progression month on month year on year building up the training age of these players um i think what's happened with some counties especially when there's a change of of snc or staff and manager is they, they might do one year of 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 gym work and then the next year manager might not think it's that important and they don't really do it that much and then they they lose a lot of it so yeah i think that's where you're going from a long-term plan if, if players are consistently doing gym work consistently doing certain condition and stuff year on year and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna progress they're gonna make gains yeah so can I ask, uh, sorry, can I just come in there for a second, Robbie? Just uh, everyone knows the struggles, I suppose, in Tipperary with regards to hurling and all that sort of thing. Were you or are you going in there to almost create a shift in mindset or for these guys to embrace it more than it's been previously embraced? Or is it a culture that's already there? It's just if you're trying to maybe bring it to fruition or what? I'm sure the, the, the GA often plays second fiddler, the, the football plays second fiddle down there. Um. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't came across that much of the the divide with the, the hurling and football. Um, really, I guess like we lost one player to hurling this year. Um, it's it's that's completely out of my control. I don't really tend to worry about stuff like that. Um, in regard to your question about culture mindset, yeah, there was a there was a few funny looks I got at the start of the year when 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 we started to have um, proper can we set up kind of gym cells in different parts of the country obviously guys in college and certain and working in dublin and stuff like that so there was a few funny looks but like to be fair to the players they really bought into it um and it was great to for all their hard work that they actually did have a successful 2020 um and winning the first like much a championship for the first time in 85 years so that gives them that gives them a little bit more belief that actually we're doing the right things let's let's try and drive it on a little bit further let's see what we can do next season yeah it's those um even Tipperary now they had an extra probably five or six seven weeks what they normally would have in a season that probably helps them at the collectively training as well coming into the next the year after and the fact that the inter-county next year will probably be well it's supposed to be on first uh, ahead of the club game it will probably give Chip an extra little kick on but you mentioned as well about um, sometimes when t- different managers come in the different strength and conditioning coaches come in and they probably try and reinvent the wheel or reset the, the and try and put their own hallmark on it do you think inter-county setups strength and conditioning should be m- merely managed from Outside of the management, that is a strength and conditioning program in place throughout the squad, or maybe they have, I just said, pathways and, and, and progression for themselves. Because different, because different S&C coaches come every year, do you think that might be affecting teams? Oh, like Mayo has had Barry, so- had Barry Solon for so long, and they kept him there as the man in charge, and, and, and it's, it's continued on. It seems to be a, a flawless transition. Oh yeah, completely flawless, and like like um, Barry and, and Connor deserve great praise for that. Um, obviously Connor worked quite closely with with Barry for so long, and uh, they're two great fellas. Absolutely zero ego about them, and uh, Mayo are very lucky to have them two guys in charge there for the last few years. But yeah, in answer to your question, I think it's imperative that every county that is serious about 
improving and, and progressing that they do hire uh, kind of a, a director of athletic development, a head S&C coach that is qualified enough to actually run a proper strength and conditioning pathway that there is a long-term plan, that there's a three, five, kind of seven-year plan for these guys. They should be directing them from almost like under 15, 16, right up into when they're really going to be starting to hit their peak, kind of 24, 25, you know. So um, there has been counties now that have, have obviously had some serious success. Obviously, Brian, Brian Cullen's doing a great job in Dublin. Um, it's interesting to see Cavan are starting to, you can see like they got a lot of, they had a great season this year as well. They've had a guy for a couple of years. Uh, obviously, there's a head of athletic development down in Kerry as well. So um, I think it's, 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 I think in 10 years, it'll probably be most counties will have somebody doing that. And that's the way I see it. And it's the, it's the correct way about it. Yeah. So I, I mentioned, you said about uh, the development of players and so on, but you, even as yourself, you know, you're working in an industry that's there's constantly new stuff coming out. There's new medical journals. There's more information. People are learning all the time. It's it's science basically. This things are getting challenged all the time. Do you find yourself, even since you went in with Leash, how you you're upskilling or or your mind has been changed by certain things? Have there been a massive shift since even since you started? It's it's interesting actually about that because there's there's, there's not just um, a few times a year. I would obviously question certain things that I'm doing myself and nine times out of ten you actually go back to what the principles are like the principles never change you always like you have to stick to the principles and um, they've been there for so long um, like what do you mean the principles what like what are the what, what would be in, in, in a S&C for dummies interview right now what are the so basically, my, my mentor, Liam Hennessy, like he, he's got a great saying. So he says, methods are many, principles are few. Um, so basically, people tend to change certain methods. So you've talked about studies. So people that may do a certain study, they may say 40, 18-year-olds ran 100 meters, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And these guys improved their speed. But there's, a, there's another study that will completely do the opposite and show the opposite. So uh, there's so many studies being made out there that sometimes it can, it can lead you down a path that could actually be a wrong path. So I, I've found it very interesting this year. There hasn't been a whole lot of like the injuries this year. It's probably been the best ever. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, of s not so much S&C, but there was a lot of talk at the start of the first lockdown about certain players doing longer runs and they shouldn't do that. Um, but I actually felt that it was a little bit of a different stimulus for guys. And like at the end of the day, a 30 minute run is good aerobic training. For anyone, um, yeah. You know, and like, I, I didn't get involved in that debate because I actually thought it was actually, it's not bad training. They could be doing far worse things. Like in my experience, I've found that people get a lot more injuries from doing say mass runs where they're, they're, they're pretty much going close to full speed for repeat runs. Um, that's where over the years, anytime I've had any kind of injuries with players, it's generally been with them. Um, so aerobic training is aerobic training. And it was, I just found it interesting. A lot of Gaelic footballers did do a lot of that kind of stuff for kind of four to six weeks. And it, it didn't seem to do, do many of them 
no uh, any harm you know so they put enough about on about on it on instagram anyway in their times i think everyone was kind of challenging themselves then at one stage it was great but i i even said it i think i tweeted during the lockdown i said it's absolutely brilliant to see all these guys out doing 5ks because big part of um stats and analysis now is with the gps's and stuff and you hear rumors about how much people how much people track and how much people run in a game and you never there's no real for the couch fan like myself you don't really ever see how much these guys run I think Enda what was that stat ridiculous stat about Jim O'Connor Jim O'Connor was meant to run 14k in one game like it's been disproved since there's 11 I think now it's back to it's back to 11 it's like, like Robbie. What do you like? What is the average? I'm sure you'd have some idea of an inter-county game. What would be the average distance of a wing forward midfielder, wing for, or uh, half forward? What would yeah. be the Her- hurling would um, hurling probably be eight to ten, and then football would probably be kind of ten to twelve. You know, obviously you're going to have some players that will go on the obviously depending on position. They're obviously going to be on the higher end, and then yeah. the full forward, cornerback stuff that would be on the lower end. Um, what was the highest you've ever seen? You don't have to name the player. Oh, I've seen I've seen a thirteen. Um, yeah, yeah, high high thirteens as well. But then again, it's it's an interesting thing. Sometimes with players, if they have a GPS on them, they feel like they have to. Like I, I can remember one player that didn't have a GPS on him for a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden put the GPS on him, and all of a sudden he is absolutely busted by like 50, 55 minutes, whereas he was able to finish the game. So what he was just trying to do was just trying to get, just trying to cover his numbers, just trying to get his numbers up. And yeah, it can be. It can that, be but that's part of the, that's part of the using the technology and developing and, 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 and improving all the time. It's like when the stats first came out with uh, soccer and there was lads passing the ball, they might pass it 70 times and it's all backwards and they can turn around then and say, here you go, I had a 95% pass rate and it's, it's, it's always developing all the time, I suppose. Yeah, GPS is a, it's a tool, it's technology. Uh, it's how you use it. There's no point having data if you don't know how to, how to use it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's got a lot more... It's improved so much now. You have a live system which can be very beneficial. You can see if a guy is is if he if he's getting to a certain threshold, if his if his kind of accelerations are kind of dropping off, that could be a good indication to make a substitution um, based on that. So it can be very useful on that. Yeah. I think really GPS is basically it's just to monitor. It, it's very useful for monitoring load of how yeah. much volume a player is doing over the over the weeks and months. Would you would you or other other certain conditioning coaches? Uh, trend the data as in you could look at players over a season and see does their their loads increase or decrease or they how did they know is it just from maybe sprinting the lack of sprints or the lack of movement the last five minutes are they able to relay that information to the sideline and then they can make a call because there was a great big rumor there a couple of years ago in Mayo about how Cullen Boyle was taken off after 50-60 minutes with Stephen Rochford and it was like almost like clockwork and I, I don't think anyone ever got to the bottom of it, but like a lot of people thought it must have been that he was maxing out on his, you know, his workload. And they had understood this from time, you know, over time that they realized he was running out of puff. And I, I don't think he was personally, but that was the the big argument at the time. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't buy into that. I heard that rumor. I didn't buy into it. Um, that's a question for Stephen Rochford and his management team. And I, I, I would know Colin. Um, I'd say he was quite disappointed to be taken off uh, at that yeah. time. So I'd say it, it could have been just a, a tactical decision. Um, like I know from working with teams before, there's certain players that you just know 
there's going to be a tactical change at that stage. And you, you can see the trends of certain teams that certain players will go off. At certain, it's not just that, like just a single out Colin Boyle. Like it, there is other teams that will have a player that will last 55 or 60 and we're going to bring on somebody more of a tactical as a, and having a kind of an impact on the game. Um, yeah. But yeah, I did, I did hear that rumour, but I, I didn't buy into it. <laughs> this but is the I place could, for the rumours. I could be wrong. Yeah, well, that's it. But like the people were saying then that he was fin- uh, they was getting too old and he's finished, and yet here he is still playing. And the year after he was playing seventy plus, so it's yeah. all it's all speculation. But that's uh, that kind he, of as he was certainly not finished. No, he was. Uh, geez, he had a great couple of seasons around that time. Yeah, Robbie. Yeah. In terms of hours per week for a player in SNC, does it vary greatly from pre-season up until the championship starts? Does it taper off completely or? Yeah, during uh, when you have a game, yeah, you're just trying to do as little as possible. Um, the hard yards are definitely done in 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 preseason in the winter, um, and it's an cumulative effect um, as well. And I think that's why we were we we're we we're very lucky with low injury rates this season because obviously players they were starting back in October November, um, and they were building it up. They obviously played a few games in the national league. Then there was a bit of a lockdown. They were starting to obviously do slightly different kind of training plans, which some people were doing slightly longer ones. And um, Rob, then they, went, then they went into the club and they they kept it going, but there was never any massive great injection or increase of, of volume in the training. And I think that's when you have more chance of picking up an injury when there's that massive spike of training volume, and that's when people are gonna pick up injuries. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you about that because when the club season got going, and we cover a lot of club football on the podcast, we kept bringing it up at the before the the championship even started. We were saying, "Oh, it's the team that's gonna have the least amount of injuries that's that's really gonna make a a, a mark on the championship." Yes, over the, all the clubs in Mayo, there was very very few actual injuries. Um during the games and and even in Indra County Mayo have been lucky and I know a lot of the, I know it's like the Galway example had one or two injuries but they were from previously as well yeah do you think the fact that there was probably a two prone thing to this that this the three or four months of lockdown of not playing and maybe letting the body rest but along with the consistent uh, build up to training but then match week on week do you think the match every weekend is more beneficial for players in terms of injury redu- injury uh, reducing. Yeah, well, obviously players love to play games. Like a lot of players, just hate training. You know, just um, drills, drills, certain type of things. Like players prefer to be playing. You know, that's where they get their. That's why they they play the game because they enjoy the competition, the buzz competition, um, and just the joy the joy of playing the game. Um, I, I do think that it was the accumulative effect of people were training and obviously not doing too much, but it was a, a nice steady kind of amount of training for the whole whole season. Like one thing that I, I never understand with some players, if, so if they finish their season, um, say an inter-county player, say if their club is knocked out in September or August and inter-county training start in November and one like there's been episodes of players back with Leash that they hadn't done any training for like two, three months. And that just, <laughs> I just couldn't get my head around that. Like I know myself, if I don't do, if I go three or four days without doing a bit of training myself, um, like it, it, there's, a, there's an accident waiting to happen there. You know what I mean? You just, you just have to yeah. be, you have to be consistent. Like I think when a player is after having a long season, obviously a couple of weeks off, um, 
but I, w- I wouldn't recommend taking any any longer than that you know it's important to obviously give your give your mind a rest and the brain and freshen up the body but going for going out um, and taking a, a really long break is uh, I just would not recommend that at all that's when people will pick up injuries because they generally come back and they're a bit behind and they have to try and catch up and yeah it's too hard and trouble bruise golf you love it most of the time, yeah. <laughs> How? Um... Yeah, I played nine holes there. It's pretty, pretty much my first game there since I came back. So, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you forget how, uh, how great it is. Like, there was no wind out there today. And pretty much the course to myself, it was, it was quite warm as well, which is brilliant. It's not like last Sunday where I couldn't feel my toes. Yeah, um, and the fog coming in. You wouldn't yeah. be able to see much anyway if you were playing on Sunday. Jeez, it was close. At one stage there, I was... <laughs> I was <You're> thinking, open. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the Mayo fans were um, get, probably getting a little bit anxious there. It was, it was actually really bad. We were yeah. hoping it'd look worse on the telly than it actually was. Yeah. It, it was. We couldn't make out. We hadn't, We couldn't, from watching at home, anyway, you couldn't make out anything at all. It was, it was, it was crazy. At the end, at the last 10 minutes, I don't think many were watching anyway, but it was... It was impossible to make out the players, so I don't know how the commentators even attempted to, to, to do it. Yeah, well, was I, it ba- I, was, I was just like a few metres from the pitch, and at one stage, for about, about 10 minutes into the second half, there was about a five-minute spell where it was actually getting beyond the joke. Um, and there was a few kind of lo- mid, mid to long-range passes that went a little bit astray, and I was thinking, sure, they can't see where they're going. Yeah, um, but then it, it did clear up a little bit. Then after that, but around that stage, like if if I was a if I was James Horner or a Mayo fan, I would have been a little bit anxious at that stage. Yeah, I think I tweeted at one stage ago. Does this go to a replay, even if there's only five or ten minutes left? But uh, I think actually the rules it is because it happened Mayo a couple of years ago in McHale Park. It was a league game, and oh, the, dub, the dubs, I think, the dubs came down and the fog came out, was so bad they called the game off, and we had to go up to Dublin then and play them. And of course, we got our arses handed to them. Are handed to handed to us. So, uh, can I go, can, just um, yeah. go back to golf? There, I'm uh, I'm not an avid golf fan, but I'm an avid Shane Lowry fan. Uh, the Irishness. Could you just delve into your relationship or explain to the listeners what your relationship is with Shane? You've been involved with him for a good few years. Yeah, uh, pretty much um, six years now. So, yeah, he's he's been in every day since he's got back. He's probably done. I think it's about fourteen sessions. Um, so yeah, he's really enjoying it at the moment. Um, he's very motivated, and yeah, he lo- he actually loves the training compared to when he first started um, back in the the winter two thousand fifteen, where um, he may- he he probably didn't enjoy it as much as he as he does now. Like he feels that if he if he misses a couple few days without a session now, he 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 doesn't feel as good about himself. Like he goes back to what I was saying about players taking long time off. Um, that's not going to happen with Shane now. Like he, he really enjoys the training, and um, he knows the benefits that it has for 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 his game and for his for obviously for for his for the physical side, but I think mentally as well, it gives him a gives him a great kind of outlier as well. Were you in Portrush for the four days? I was in Portrush uh, early on the week for a couple of days for a bit of prep and the practice, and I went back then on the. Friday night, I think. Yeah, Friday night. And then I was there Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday was unbelievable. I I kinda knew Saturday night was all over. I couldn't see couldn't see any anything but a victory. I was there Friday. I thought it was all over Friday. 
Yeah. <laughs> you were you were trying to sell them tickets, weren't you, Enda? Enda was trying to swap them four day t- the four days of tickets for two tickets for the All Ireland final, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> he would have got, got a you actually would have got a lot of money for it. Um, so Mayo, Mayo were playing that weekend, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. that's why I, I, I couldn't stay the weekend. I had I went up Friday. Um, Priority, yeah, when Shane when Shane won last year, Mayo were playing Mead. I think it was on in the, it was on the box. Me and you were in Linda, and there was mm-hmm. there was there was three or four lads. They, were, they had no interest in Mayo or Mead. They were sitting down watching the golf. Yeah, it was funny because on the Sunday, actually, Dean Rock and Kieran Kilkenny were were up watching. Um, we were walking up the first couple of holes and um, watching the golf. And yeah, they went in then to do a little bit of of uh, analysis on the game that was on the television. So um, Yeah, they were playing Cork the day before, I think, or something. Were they? Yeah, they, won't they, be, they played on the Saturday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was at that too. It was a good Speaking weekend. Speaking of the Dublin lads, Robbie, what's your thoughts on the match? Your thoughts on the physical and athletic development of both teams? Is there much of a difference? Um, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, it's got. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a great game. Um, hopefully it's a nice day. Uh, hopefully it's not like a kind of a Cork Kerry kind of day where it's really really bad and skills are going to be compromised. But like they're two, they're probably two of the best uh, teams in the country. Um, very evenly matched physically. Um. And it should be a great game. So really looking forward to it. So a lot of people are writing Mayo off, which I, I, I can't understand. Like I, I, I Dublin are obviously having a, a great season so far. And but if you look at the games with, with Mayo over the years, like there there hasn't been that much in it. And I think Mayo's second quarter against uh, against Tip probably the best I've seen them play since the the first half against Dublin last year when when, when Mayo went in. Um were they a couple of points ahead? Two points, yeah. Two points. Yeah. It was so, an, a, an apprehensive two points, so I think we we knew the blue wave was coming. I think at the same time, it was. Uh, Jeez, you're you're not very confident, are you? Jeez. Now, <laughs> hey, if you're kicked enough times, Robbie, I tell you, you'll feel them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the best I've seen Mayo play since then. Um, so, yeah, if they can keep up that kind of of intensity and attitude, like they just got so many great players, like you know. Um, and that's and, and people go on about strength and condition and, and certain aspects probably too much. At the end of the day, the teams that are that are that are doing the best are just the best players. Like Dublin have been the best team for the last five years because they've got the best players. It's as, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Yes, they, they obviously are they've got great strength and condition and that's almost like a prerequisite at this stage, but they're just the best players and it's it's the same at Mayo. Mayo have had so much success over the last ten years because they've just got so many great players. Um, is there any intercounty player that blows you away in terms of that stands out above the rest in, in terms of strength and conditioning or a fitness or just raw power pace? Is there any one that out there in the strength and conditioning community people go that guy is just on a different level, or is there a, a, is there a, a top level with five or six or ten people in it? Yeah, I, I guess the thing that I look at the most, um, rather than like strength or or power, like I love to see the fir- like the, f- the first couple of yards. The people they just make so much space for themselves. Yeah. Um. I guess from working with with Tip this year, like Michael Quinlan's first couple of yards, he just creates so much space for himself. He showed us the last day as well. The first yeah. ball in, and it's just that initial burst. 
and you, you could say that's quite that is a, a kind of a, a power kind of move that just that creating that space yeah. obviously jack mccaffrey's acceleration and uh, Eddie durkin durkin as well yeah he's he's um he had a great game the last day i think that like he just caused havoc down that side um and he's been he's been a pivotal player for them this year like he had an amazing game against Roscommon. Like that's that's pretty much the win of the game against Roscommon. He just completely nullified Emma Smith. Um, very important pair, pair for Mayo. But yeah. that's the, I, I just and then skill as well. Like people kind of go on about speed and power and strength and how big sometimes people are. But like if a skillful player um, and able to carry the ball and not be brushed off, like that's that's all. They're all really important characteristics in a player. Um, yeah. Like as I said, going back to Connor, the first time I seen Connor Sweeney in training at the start of the year, I was like blown away. Just his his accuracy with that left foot, and uh, he had quite enough kind of league at the start of the league. Um, but then he he kind of showed how 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 good he really is. Yeah, it just it it doesn't help either. Sometimes when you're not playing on TV and stuff, because I know a lot of people before he even hit the equaliser uh, this year. Against Limerick. Limerick, not not yeah. many people. Well, he wouldn't have been a household name. Now he is. He has shown that he can do these things, and the same in the Munster final as well, when when he was needed. But uh, Munster, Munster might be underway. I got an email off um, a client of mine. He was in with me probably around this time last year, and he just said to me, "Well, well done for with the, with with tip for the Munster." And he says, the "Time I was in with you this time last year, you were raving about Conor Sweeney." You're, you're you're dead right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, look, that was absolutely. There's a great insight there, isn't Trolling. Great, that half an hour went quickly. Um, uh, Robbie, that was brilliant. Thanks very much for um, your time and your insight and your expert opinion. It really was uh, appreciated here in RF Towers. Will you will you be cheering for Dublin or Mayo, Robbie? Well, sure, I'm a dub, so I'll be cheering for Dublin. <laughs> uh, you're not married to me, your wife. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, but obviously, um, like I've seen, like, I've been to a lot of finals over the last few years, and I've seen the heartache that, um, that the gang, that the that the family have, have gone through. Like, so, like, if 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 Mayo win, I'll be I'll be delighted for them. You know what I mean? I won't be. I certainly, um, I don't think anyone in the country would. Would be too upset um, if if they if they if they won it. Um, I just said I'm really looking forward to a really great game of football, and hopefully conditions are favourable and we can see how um, how good both teams are. And um, should be a great one. Yeah, yeah, Thanks, uh, brilliant. Thanks very much for your right, time. Uh, very much appreciate. See you now. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.